0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights Podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street
1: in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message.
0: Whoa, is there anybody out there, Kirk? Whoa, that's bright. Woo! Well, praise the Lord. I'll preach my faith. here. I like to be able to see people's faces. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I need to see when you squirm a little. Relax, okay. So, um, before I get into this message, I want to, for those of you who may not know, I want to make you aware we have a website, Miss Linda and I. You know, after you retire, and you've spent your whole life in ministry, and you wake up the morning after you retire, and you go, Something's not right here. And and so it was like we had to reinvent ourselves. We knew it was time to retire. But we also knew that you should never stop trying to be a blessing. And, and so we reinvented ourselves by a, a, a set, a, putting a, a website together. Look at that. <laughs> Truthwithjohn.com. That's a really cool photo. <laughs> Guess who took that? I did about three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and if you were going on our website, you'd see that. Um, What I'd like you to do, if you've never looked at it, is go to truthwithjohn.com, just check it out, and uh, we have a newsletter. Every month, we uh, have three new articles and a bunch of new photos, especially our uh, subscribers. We uh, um, uh, provide them with about, I don't know, seven to... Ten photos every month, new photos that uh, Miss Linda and I have taken. And I need to say this: um, I've had people come up to me and say, "Well, what's it cost to subscribe?" We, you you can't buy anything on that website if you try. Okay, there's nothing for sale; it's all free. And then people will say, "Well, what's the catch?" Nothing is free. And and here's the deal: the only reason that we ask you to subscribe is if you don't subscribe, you forget about us, okay? If you subscribe once a month, you get a reminder from us, an email, telling you about the new material that's available, giving you a little tiny little one paragraph uh, outline of what the uh, articles are all about. And I gotta say this, coming up the 1st of November, I think I have the best article I've ever written because it's something that people don't know about. But about uh, six weeks ago now, the world witnessed an amazing miracle of God's power. And nobody covered it. And it was an amazing story. I had to dig it out and, and then put all the dots together. You've not heard this anyplace else. You won't hear it anyplace else. You need to read it in the November issue of, of uh, Truth with John. So anyway... How you like that for baiting them? <laughs> so, so here's what you do. Now do it today. Go home, get your computers out, and hit the subscribe button on our website, TruthAtJohn.com. And all we want is your name and your email address. Hit click, uh, click send, and bam, it's done. And uh, you'll get a letter back from us letting you know we got your subscription. And uh, there is no charge, no hidden fees, no catch, okay? Everything on there is free. All right, enough of that. Um, So today, um, I'm going to be speaking on a subject I love to speak about, and that is how to have a great marriage. And uh, how many married folks here? All right, how many singles? Come on, raise them up nothing to be ashamed of (laughs) listen all you singles you're the ones who really need to listen to this because I'm going to tell you how to catch a good one (laughs) all right and how to tell whether it's a good one or not so uh uh, singles you you listen up um let's see where do I start Uh, I think I'll start in uh, 1859 Anybody in this room know what happened in 1859? I didn't think so. I know because I checked on the internet last night. In 1859, a young author sat down and put a pen to a piece of paper and wrote a novel, a novel that became the best-selling novel in history. It's entitled, A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. He started that novel by saying these words. You all remember this, you've heard it. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. Whatever that word is. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Every time I read that, I'm like, if I ever write a book on marriage, I'm going to start it just like that. <laughs> because I got to tell you the truth. I don't, I don't know of anything in my uh, experience of life that has been better than being married to Miss Linda. All right, I mean, it's just the truth. I could not think of one thing that would equal that, and I've seen some amazing things, but nothing that equals being married. But I've also pastored for 50 years, and I gotta tell you, the things I've seen, it was the worst of times. And it was the winter of despair. <laughs> one guy came to me one time. He's like, Pastor, I got a problem. I said, What's your problem? He said, I'm obsessed with the idea of living to be 100. I, I, I just, it's just like it's controlling my life. And I, I, I need you to give me some advice. How can I live to be 100? I said, young man, are you married? He said, no. I said, get married. <laughs> he said, how will that help me live to be 100? I said, it won't. You just won't want to live to be 100 anymore. <laughs> 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 okay. Officers <laughs> uh, locked the doors, don't let anybody out. Here's the fact. This is a fact. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Now, if you want to go online and find somebody that will try to debate that or debunk that or whatever, fine. It's there. I'll read you one. You're going to have to really, really you know, pull on your earlobe to turn your brain on here because uh, uh, this is going to require some deep thought on your part if you're going to get this. Okay? This is from a a professor at the University of Kansas. He wrote this, Half of all marriages end in divorce, true or false? The 50% statistic is very misleading, if not completely wrong. The demographics of divorce are routinely reported wrong, calculated wrong, or misinterpreted. Just because for every two marriages there is one divorce does not mean the divorce rate Is 50%. (laughs) is 50%. <laughs> it must be that fuzzy math. I, I don't know. <laughs> but he explains that statement. Ready for this? Because the people getting married in a single year are not the same ones getting divorced. Now now, listen, stop thinking about that, okay? You, you'll be sitting here, somebody's sitting here the rest of the sermon, they're not hearing one word I say, they're trying to figure that last statement out. Bottom line is it's a fact, and I hate to tell you this, but the statistics among Christians are no different than those in the world that don't claim to have any faith. It's, a, it's a, an amazing fact, it's amazing to me, Because in my world, things are very, very simple. kind of works like this. You do it right, you get right results. You do it wrong, you get results you don't want. It's really, really simple. And let me just tell you, right is not complicated. Let me give you some illustrations. First of all you want a great marriage, you don't have to read a book entitled 12 Steps to a Great Marriage. That's for recovering alcoholics, okay, 12-step program, okay? Um, you don't have to do um, personality studies. Well, we we can't have a good marriage because I'm a type A and, and, and he's a type C or type J or whatever. You know what J stands for? Jerk. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It doesn't depend upon which child you were. The youngest versus the oldest and all of that. Oh, that's why we have so much problems. I was the youngest. He was the oldest and on and on. Um, Right should not be affected by your past. If you want God's present and God's future, quit living in your past. Now, I'm just sorry if that hurts your feelings. But if that hurts your feelings, that's why you're so messed up. Get over it. (laughs) Right. Pastor, I read this two weeks ago. (coughs) They, I read this article. said the reason so many marriages fail is they don't have those right zodiac signs. <laughs> Good grief. I mean, let, let, me, let me show you something. All of these things are just excuses for why your marriage is a mess, but they don't fix anything. Come on now. I'm not interested in excuses. I want everybody to have a great marriage. Come on, how many want a great marriage? That's what we're going to do here today. You walk out of here, you're going to know how to have a great marriage. And if you don't have one now, you're going to be able to identify what's being done wrong and fix it. Now, I can do this one of two ways. I can do this, the John Stalker in your face approach or I can do it the Miss Linda gentle diplomatic approach. How many want the John Stalker in your face approach? How many want the Miss Linda diplomatic approach? Oh, bless your hearts. (laughs) They've got true pastor's hearts. They don't want their sheep injured, hurt, beat up. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do the diplomatic approach just in honor of your pastors, okay? <laughs> you will thank them later. <laughs> so let's, let's just start out gentle here with a question. Um, why did you get married in the first place. Um, now, Miss Linda and I talked about this. I said, I'm, I'm just going to go out in the congregation and ask people why they um, got married. And she said, John, don't do that. <laughs> she said, John, that's, that's going to be a bad mistake. I said, Why? She said, because somebody's going to say, because we got knocked up. (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway. All right? So I just come down here. I just pick on some people in the front row. I've got my granddaughter here. Her and Ian just got married What six weeks ago now, eight weeks ago, something like that. Get your hand off her leg. <laughs> You're in church, boy. <laughs> it's legal now, okay? So uh, I just pick on them. Uh, you think you think that's okay? Just pick on my granddaughter and her husband, okay? Uh, Amory, why did you guys get married? Because we love each other. Uh. Isn't that sweet? Oh my gosh, it just touches my heart. (laughs) No, (laughs) I asked Linda why'd we get married. She go, "It was lust in the dust." (laughs) That's church. You got to tell the truth. Emily, why did you guys get married? Because we love each other. You know, that's a really good answer. How many in this room that are married got married because you loved each other? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done hundreds of weddings. I have never Once said to a couple, why are you two wanting to get married? Are you in love? No, nah, we don't love each other. <laughs> no, I've never had that happen, okay? So that's the, that's the number one reason why people uh, say that they get married. But um, <sighs> we're, we're in love. This whole thing of, of, of being in love... I don't know if you ever have stopped to think about this, but in our society, when people say they're in something, it's almost always negative. Think about this. In prison, (laughs) in jail, in debt, in trouble, in court, in pain, in ICU, (laughs) in love. Now, now, (laughs) Maybe you've never thought about that. You think about it a little bit. How many positive ends can you find? And yet, for some reason, we think in love is something that's like really, really awesome. Okay? And and reason to commit our lives to each other. (laughs) Okay? We're in love. Can I tell you, the whole in love thing... um, um, dating, falling in love. It kind of reminds me of fishing. <laughs> yeah, it does. Think about this. Here's, here's a fisherman, and he's out there throwing out the worm or whatever it is, and then there's the fish. And uh, there's no love involved in catching The fisherman, he wants to catch the best fish he can. In fact, if he can get an amazing trophy that he can display on his wall, I got me a trophy fish. Boy, that's the ultimate goal. Did you ever hear the term trophy wife? Yeah? And here's the fish. The fish doesn't care a thing about the fisherman the fish just wants its next meal my wife asked me this morning at the breakfast table she said so because we always kind of talk about my sermon notes she said so are the fishermen always guys or can the fisher the fisher person be a fisher woman well of course women fish and most women Need to remember that when you're fishing, what you use for bait determines what kind of fish you catch. Ooh. Squire, my little ladies. But here, here the whole thing is. There's this whole thing going on, and we're trying to catch something, and there's no love involved at all. None. Now, I've got a video I want to show you. This is me in another life. And um, this maybe will put some, some uh, context to what I've just been trying to communicate to you. Let's, let's roll that video right now.
1: Love is a word that in our culture has almost lost its meaning. Uh, there's a very interesting story about the Rebbe of Kotsk who came across a young man who was clearly enjoying a dish of fish that he was eating. And he said, "Uh, young man, why are you eating that fish? And the young man says, because I love fish. He says, oh, you love the fish. That's why you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. He said, don't tell me you love the fish. You love yourself. And because the fish tastes good to you, therefore, you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. So much of what is love, right, is fish love, right? And so, young couple falls in love, young man and young woman fall in love. What does that mean? That means that he saw in this woman someone who he felt could provide him with all of his physical and emotional needs. And she saw in this man, somebody she feels that she can. write, that was love, right? But each one is looking out for their own needs. Right? It's not love for the other. The other person becomes a vehicle for for my gratification. Too much of what is called love is fish love. An external love is not on what I'm going to get, but what I'm going to give. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. How about that? So when we say we were in love, that's why we got married. Was it fish love? Hmm. Can I tell you something? Fish love will not stand the test of time. That's why so many relationships end up being catch and release. Yep. Every bride has an idea in her head of what she wants her husband to be. And every groom has in his head what he wants his wife to be. And I can tell you one thing for sure. Whoever you're married to does not possess all of the things you thought you were getting. So the question is, fish love won't stand the test of time. So is there a love... That will stand the test of time? And if so, what does it look like? Well, the answer is yes, there is. Uh, what does it look like? We started this service by singing about it. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, it never runs out on me. That's the kind of love that will last for 30 years, 40 years, 50, 60 years, 56 for us now. Yep. It's awesome. Now, what does that love look like in, in reality? Well, here's a good start, most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he, oh, he loved so he gave. Now, Paul picks up on that in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and he tells husbands, carry this over into your marriage. Look at it. Husbands, do you have that one? We're done with John (laughs) 3.16. Ah, there it is. Okay. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can wrap this whole sermon up into one tiny sentence, and that is simply this. Here's the fact The success, Ian, Amory, are you listening? Okay. The success of your marriage will depend upon how much each of you is willing to give to the other one. That's, that's it in a nutshell. It's the foundation of a happy marriage. It's the foundation of a happy life. The more you give, the more you live. And the problem today is that so many are not capable of giving. And here, here, here's kind of the, the reason for that. We're all broken. Now, when I say we're all broken, don't sit there and go, oh, this is so wonderful. He's going to talk about how I could get healed from my broken heart. Oh, uh, no, I'm not into that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and by the way, I don't do marriage counseling. Trust me, you would not want me as a marriage counselor. This is the truth. I had a couple come in one time, and I, I'm doing the marriage counseling. This is when I stopped. <laughs> and, and they sat down in my office. They walk in. They're looking all mad and mean and ugly, and, and, and they, they're like, I'm like, well, um, you guys obviously are having problems, um, uh, what, what's the problem? What, what's going on here? And they start telling me, Well, he won't do this, and she won't do that, and he said this, and she said that, and, and I wanted this, and he wouldn't do that, and on and on and on. I looked at him. Now, this hadn't been going on like for an hour, this was like five minutes. <laughs> I looked at him, and I said, That's stupid. Quit being stupid. You're doing this and it's making her mad, stop doing it. This is not rocket science. This is not brain surgery. Stop it. Truth. And I said, that's all I can tell you, get out of here. True, true story. I never did any marriage counseling after that word spread nobody wanted to <laughs> but see w- when I say we're broken I'm talking about we were created in the likeness and image of God the one who loves so much that he gave we were created in that limit image with that likeness and guess what we're broken we're like clocks that have stopped running Worse, we're like clocks that are running backwards. We're just going the opposite direction from what, what God created us to be. And, and we're like, we're just like misfits in the universe. Let me, let, me, let me show you something. Let me try to prove it to you. Why do we even have to be told to love our mate? Who told God to love us? Think about that. Nobody had to tell him to love us, it's his nature. Why do we have to be told? How about this one? 1 Corinthians 13. Whole chapter on the details of how love is supposed to look. How love is supposed to function. (laughs) Why in the world do we need 1 Corinthians 13? I'll tell you why. Because we are broken. Paul wrote to Timothy about this generation. He said, people will be self-centered lovers of themselves. That describes a broken generation. This is the it's all about me generation. I'm marrying this this person, and oh, man, it's all about me, and they're just going to really... They're just gonna really meet all of my needs, emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs. It's all about me. That's why I'm in this. That's how this generation operates. And I'm sorry for those of you who have teenagers that have that attitude, it's your fault. You fostered that in them. Somebody needs to tell them to wake up before they get married. And go from one nasty marriage to the next. I've got a slide I want to show you. This is priceless. Before you show that, oh, there it is. Before you show that. <laughs> Earlier this year, Miss Linda and I took a short trip. We'd always wanted to do this. Uh, we'd been to Disney World with our family, and that's all wonderful. Um, but <laughs> we just wanted to go, just the two of us just go down there and hold hands and eat some of those cream cheese pretzels and go on rides and throw up. (laughs) The stories I could tell. But I was amazed. You see parents with the little tiny ones, itty-bitties, you know, one, two years old, even three, and their kids are in this cart and they're pushing them around I totally I'd do the same thing but then you see some and they're like what is this here is here here here. now show that slide here here it is (laughs) this isn't Disney World but this is kind of like what some of what we saw now what is wrong with this photo I mean I'm asking you something what kind of husband is that going to be? Oh, I'm used to somebody just pushing me around, just doing it all for me. It's all about me. Well, let me just tell you something. That kid is going to make a terrible husband. The fact of the matter is, a great marriage requires two givers. Listening? Requires two givers. If there's only one giver, it's going to be like somebody gets caught, killed, boiled, and eaten for somebody else's gratification. And I debated whether I should say this or not, but I I think I feel like I'm supposed to say it. I think guys are a lot worse than women when it comes to this. Um, I've seen so many guys that, I mean, they, they spend money on themselves. They, they, they do the things that they want to do. Ian, are you listening? <laughs> They're probably like, why did we come? Because <laughs> your papa was preaching and he's good at it but it's like it's like they just they just I, I don't know their time the activities they do the things they buy it's like hey 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 what about your wife and and I got to tell you it should be two people and I want to say something to you guys if you have a wife that's a giver you can, you can do the dumbest things, the most selfish things, and she'll just put her stamp of approval on it. Why? Because she's a giver. But the thing you need to remember, remember is, instead of going around, well, I'm just lucky I got me a giver, you need to know neither one of you are experiencing God's best neither one of you are experiencing a great marriage. Because in a great marriage, you're both givers. That's just the way it works. So, what do you do? If you're sitting here right now and you're, you're uncomfortable, you're like, ooh. This is, this is very, very uncomfortable. This is the diplomatic approach? Yeah, it is. Trust me, it is. (laughs) What do you do? Is there any hope? Whatever you do, don't give up hope. Because with Jesus, anything's possible. But here's what I would suggest you do. First of all, stop finding fault with the fish you caught. All right? Pastor Bill Klein told me something one time. Um, He is the one I handed all the marriage counseling over to. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, are you here? (laughs) Okay, tell him I talked about him. Um, But um, he told me, he says, when a couple comes in for marriage counseling, We set the ground rules, and the ground rules are you're not allowed to sit and say one bad thing about your mate. I'm like, dude, that's awesome, man. (laughs) They'd have nothing to say. (laughs) It does you no good to focus on all the things you don't like about your mate. That that won't change anything in your marriage. you just being critical of your mate. We can get this sermon done quick, or we can make it drag out a little bit if I don't get more amens. (laughs) I... That won't fix anything. That won't help anything. Instead, look in the mirror and start to ask yourself some questions. Do I always, always put my mate first? Do I want my mate to be happy and I put her happiness or his happiness above my own? Start with that question. Consider the way you spend your time. Consider the activities that you do. (laughs) Consider the things you buy, how you spend your money. Just look at it because I'm going to tell you something. Talk is cheap. Actions in a marriage are what counts. Be brutally honest. And if when you're looking in the mirror, you go, you know what? I haven't been the giver I should be. Then what do you do? Here's how it works. Number one, we're all broken. Guess what? We need God to heal us. We need God to fix us. Isaiah says, the whole head is sick. Yeah, God, we all deal with it. All of us deal with it, selfishness. God, I've been selfish in this marriage. God, I need your help. Help me to love like you love. Where better to start than to love my mate like you love my mate? Oh, man, that's good stuff. And then, uh, James says this, James five sixteen. Uh, confess your faults one to another. If your marriage is in trouble... Listen, don't just act like it's okay. Look in the mirror, confess your sins to the Lord, confess your selfishness to the Lord, and then sit down with your mate. You'd be amazed what would happen if you sat down with your mate and says, I have to confess something to you. I've put my own desires above yours. I've been selfish in this marriage. I ask you to forgive me, and I want you to know I am going to do everything I can with the help of God to become the giver that I need to be if this marriage is to be great. You, you'll be amazed at what happens. And I'm, I, I'm just going to uh, wrap this up to give you a glimpse into a great marriage and how it works. We've been married 56 years crazy in love it's crazy it's <sighs> I don't know how to even explain it or to describe it it's an amazing marriage <sighs> I'll tell you why it's an amazing marriage long time ago both of us started pouring into each other Jesus said where A man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. And the Amplified reads like this Where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. In other words, the more you give, the more you live, but the more you love. That's how it works for us. And it's the big things, and it's the little things. And I could give you 10,000 illustrations. I'll give you one. This happened about three weeks ago. We were on a hike. This year, the flowers in the meadows, the asters, late in the summer, early fall, were incredibly beautiful. So we're in the we're in the, uh, the meadow walking, hiking, taking photos. And in this meadow, there was lots of asters, and then there was these cute little white flowers. And Miss Linda said to me, she said, oh, I just wish I could find a a bunch of asters that had the white flowers right in with them. It would make such a great photo. Two minutes later, guess what? There was asters, and right in the middle, a beautiful bouquet of these dainty little white flowers. They'd been picked and staged. See, see, Emily's down here. oh. oh. I I mean, I had that thing set so perfect. I'm like, "Shoot away, sweetie." She shot those photos, and then we're walking out of the meadow towards the car. She comes over. she puts her arm around me.' She's like, "Oh, John, that was so sweet.") <laughs> I'm I'm walking straight and tall. I'm like I love feeling like a superhero. Cost me nothing to give. In a way, that it didn't shout, "I love you." No, women, guys, women don't like that. Doesn't do anything for them. it was like a whisper I love you so much I'd do anything in the world to make you happy and I still have the hearts for you <laughs> back when I was pastoring at Rez we'd go home and Linda would always say you don't tell them the whole story You just tell them the stuff that makes you look good. (laughs) What, what, What did Jesus teach? Give, and it shall be given unto you. So here's the other side of her story, if she were up here telling it. I'd let her come up and tell it, but I can tell it better. After we retired we thought about what we'd like to do and all that with our time and all that we decided we wanted to buy some four-wheelers so when our grandkids came up we could take them out four-wheeling and uh, so we bought two four-wheelers one was a uh, a four-person four-wheeler and the other one a two person and uh, at first it was all exciting. We'd take them out ourselves and go, and our family came up. We'd do that. And, but it was on this big, long trailer with dual axles and all of that stuff. And so it was like we weren't using them. And so I was, we're sitting out eating breakfast one morning, and I was, like, complaining about that. We got these machines. We don't use them and all that. And Miss Linda goes, well, John, have you ever thought about selling them and buying a Jeep? <laughs> like, what did I just hear you say? Yeah, she said, sell the four-wheeler, the big one, sell the trailer, take the smaller one, it'll fit in the back of the pickup truck so we still have that, and they can come and take the Jeep and and When you and I want to go out four-wheeling, we don't have to hook up a trailer. We just take the Jeep and go four-wheeling. I'm like, dang, man, I married the right woman. (laughs) So two weeks later, guess what? The machine was sold. The trailer was sold. And about three weeks after, there was a beautiful red Jeep sitting in the driveway. 12 years old, guys, mint condition with only 37,000 miles and tricked out too, lifted and all that stuff. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. The key to an amazing marriage is for two people to both be looking for how can I make my mate happy? What can I give to them? I'll give anything if I just can make them happy and see them happy. That's been the key to our marriage. If you see us out on the trail with our cameras, you want to know what you'll see? You won't see me walking around with some big, fancy, expensive camera, her walking around a little point and shoot. Uh Uh-uh. You'll see two people both with the exact same cameras, same lenses, everything. Why should I get it if she doesn't? some guy sitting here going, I couldn't afford to do that. (laughs) Well, if you'd stop just buying stuff for yourself, you could. (laughs) I mean, it's time to pursue a great marriage. Give, give, give. And I'll end with one piece of wisdom. Don't give up on your marriage. Never forget, your marriage will be whatever you make it. It's totally in your control. There's no force that's keeping you from making it a great marriage. Lord, I pray for the marriages in this church. Ask you, Lord, that no one would harden their heart, but they would. Decisions. To love their mate. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights Podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.